Well, our text tonight is again in Galatians, the third chapter. We've been uh, talking about the subject of being redeemed from the curse of the law. (laughs) I like just saying that, don't you? Redeemed from the curse of the law. That's me. That's you, right? So let's go on further tonight in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 7. Well, let me read verse 6. Abraham did what? He believed God. What a wonderful thing. And it was accounted or imputed to him for righteousness. Now let's just stop right there. How did he get righteous? Now this is going to come up later on. Who who was first, Abraham or Moses? This is before the law. Right? This is before the Ten Commandments. This is before all of that. Right? So Abraham was not operating by the law. This is before the law. But yet, righteousness was imputed to him. This is a foreshadow of the day in which we live in. The day of grace. And how did he become righteous in the eyes of God? How was righteousness imputed to him? He believed God. He believed God. Now keep reading. The Bible said... Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Who is that? Those who are of faith. That's us. We're the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In you shall all nations be blessed. Now, I know in studying this, I was reminded and then got further revelation about the connection of the gospel and the blessing. I don't think that's been preached enough. Because when people think of the gospel, they don't automatically think of the blessing. And you should. Read this again. He said that God would justify the heathen through faith. He preached before the what? The gospel unto Abraham saying what? In, now this was the gospel that he preached to Abraham. This is the gospel. In you shall all nations be not just saved. What? Blessed. Blessed. Is the good news a message of blessing? It is. Go with me if you would to hold your place in Galatians and go back to Romans 15. Let's just confirm this in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. Romans 15, 29. Romans 15, 29. He said, I am sure that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of Of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. (laughs) The blessing of what? Is there a blessing 
in the gospel. Is the gospel message the message of blessing? See, the Bible tells us that this gospel, talking about the gospel of the Bible, this gospel must be preached to all nations. And then the end's going to come. One reason everything hadn't been completed and the end hasn't come yet is. Now get that. This gospel. This gospel has not been preached to every nation, kindred, and tongue. Religion has been preached. Condemnation has been preached. Churchianity has been preached. Do's and don'ts have been preached. And for instance, condemnation. A lot of folk, bless their heart, their main message is you're going to hell if you don't repent. And they believe that's the gospel. Well, gospel means good news. If somebody tells you, you're sorry, rascal, you're going to hell if you don't change. Is that good news? That's not good news. That is bad news. Now, don't get huffy with me now. So this is the gospel. No, that's not the gospel. Because when you hear the gospel, you're going to hear about the blessing. It's not my idea. We see it in two New Testament passages already. I can show you more. He said, when I come, I'm going to show up in what? Read it out loud. In the what? In the fullness of the blessing of the gospel. He said, I'm going to come in the fullness of the blessing of the good news. Don't you think they're saying, come on, Brother Paul, come on. Bring it on. Tell us about it. Right? Tell us about. Now, you know. Who did God use to pen Galatians? Hmm? Well, flip back over to where you're holding your place there in Galatians and look at the first chapter. And the first word of the first verse of the first chapter. What does it say? Paul. An apostle, and he goes on talking about. So what did Paul preach? When he came, he preached the gospel. Now just hold this and go to Acts chapter 14. What did Paul preach? What is the gospel? When you hear the good news, among other things, what are you going to hear about? Well, blessing is good news. Cursing is not. Hmm? Condemnation is not good news. Judgment is not good news. Hell is not good news. Right? What is good news? Well, we know here in Galatians, Paul was the one writing to them. So the Holy Ghost is teaching them and preaching to them through Paul. And he's the one that told them, Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. That, in order that, the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. 
What's he preaching to them? The gospel. This is the gospel. Just four verses prior. Well, not four. It's a little more than that. Eight or nine verses prior to that. He told them that Abraham first heard the gospel. And the blessing. That in you will all the nations be blessed. He said that's the gospel. And he sums it up by saying, now in Christ, you are the seed of Abraham and his blessing is on you. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And we've been camping out for weeks here seeing what we've been redeemed from. And oh, if it don't make you shout, you're just not paying attention. We've been redeemed. From every sickness and every disease that's ever been named and ever will be found or discovered or named. We've been redeemed from losing our mind or losing our memory and our ability to think. We've been redeemed from our stuff being destroyed. We've been redeemed from our deals going belly up. We've been redeemed from failure and loss of every kind. That's good news. I said, that's good news. And the same blessing that made Abraham one of the most powerful men in all those nations where he traveled through. And they got so much stuff, and Lot got so much stuff, that the several counties they lived around couldn't hold their stuff. That blessing is on you. Not a different one. That blessing is on me. Now that's good news. That's good news. Has that been preached all over the world? It has not. And that's why the end hasn't come. What leads men and women to repentance? The goodness of the Lord. See, religion is taking millions to hell. It's one of the worst things that's happening in the earth because people are substituting that. For a real relationship with God. And they don't know God. They don't know God. He's not real to them. They're not born again. They don't know that he's their father. And that all the sins have been placed on Jesus. They don't know they've been redeemed from the curse. They don't know they have authority in the name of Jesus. They don't know they've been made righteous. They have not yet heard and understood the good news. Of why he came. And what it means to us. So that's why you and I got to get this message out. Right? We got to tell people that God's good. And they need to see it. Not just hear about it. They need to see it. In our lives so that they want a life like ours. Hmm? If people don't look at us and want a life like ours, then the gospel is not being manifest like it's supposed to be. And the sad thing is there's so many people, they work side by side with Christians at the workplace and at different things. You know, they see them in town in different places and they know what kind of life they have and they don't want their life. They feel like they got a better life than they do. And so there's no goodness of God enough to draw them to come out of what they're in. I know Phyllis used to oversee and manage doctor's offices. And she'd hire she was responsible for hiring people and training them. And there's any number of times she hired ladies, young ladies, who were not Christians. But I don't, it was hardly time that y'all went, what, two or three months before they were born again. And they didn't preach to them. 
They didn't preach to them. They just lived it. These girls had come in. Their boyfriends beat them up. And they got high and drunk and woke up in a strange place. And didn't know what was going on with them. I mean, sinners have a rough life. They try so hard to have fun. And fail. Miserably. Right? And eventually, they'd look at her and they'd say, I want what you and your husband have. Y'all seem happy. She said, we are. And y'all have nice stuff. She said, we do. (laughs) And y'all seem to be happy. She said, we are. (laughs) See, people want that. First of all, they got to see, is it real? Or is it just some put on? But if after a period of time they can tell, this is not a facade. This is not a put on. This is real. And it's not just something they do at church. God is real. He has got to be real. Look at that. And look at this. And it happened again. This is just too many good things happening to be a coincidence. Right? And that goodness, what does it do? It gets a hold of people, doesn't it? And it draws them and it leads them to turn their life around, to repent and give their life to God. Can you say amen? Amen. Say it out loud. Gospel. Blessing. Blessing. Do the two go together? They go together in the scriptures. They're hand in hand. I don't know about you, but I hadn't seen that as clearly as I do now. For some reason or another. Oh, but I'm seeing it now. And in my mind, next time I hear gospel, I'm going to think, blessing. Blessing. (laughs) Right? Blessing. That's what the gospel is. The good news of us being redeemed for the curse and now having the blessing. Now look in Acts 14. Acts 14. Paul is preaching and teaching, going from place to place. And he went to Lystra and Derbe in verse 6, in the cities of Lycaonia to the region that lies round about. Verse 7, Acts 14, 7. And there they did what? They preached the gospel. Well, from what we've learned already, what do we know they talked about? Now look. And there was a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. And the same heard Paul speak. Whoa, whoa, speak what? What did he preach? The gospel, the good news of redemption and the blessing. That's what this man heard. And this man heard Paul speak and he was steadfastly beholding him, Paul beholding the man as he's listening to Paul. Paul perceived that the man had faith to be healed. Now we'll stop right there. Where did he get faith to be healed? See, some people have tried to preach, well, you know, God, sometimes he just drops faith in people and they can believe and you just never know. Who's going to get what? Oh, no, no. The Bible's very plain. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. He got faith from what he heard Paul preach. Right there. Right there. So what did Paul preach? I had a fellow challenge me one time years ago. I was teaching in healing school at Brother Hagin's ministry. And he said, now, he said, now, y'all emphasize all that healing stuff. He said, we don't preach all that. We just preach the gospel. 
A lot of folk believe that. Oh, we don't get off on all those tangents. You know, all that prosperity stuff and all that uh, healing stuff. Now, we just preach the gospel. If you preach the same gospel Paul preached, you're going to see the same results. Right? Now, what if he had preached? God's a good God. He's a big God. And he can heal if it's his will. But you just never know. Could this man have gotten faith to be healed from hearing that? He could not. There's no way he could. Because how would he know whether he was one of the lucky ones or not? Hmm? No. You can't get faith from hearing, maybe it is, maybe it's not, maybe he will, maybe he won't. That's been passed away. That died with the last apostle. That's all ceased. You can't get faith from hearing that. He must have heard more than you're going to hell if you don't change. Because he got faith for what? He got faith to be healed. How could you get faith to be healed? You must have heard something. Oh, come on now. You must have heard something. That caused you to believe that God is ready for you to be healed right now. You must have heard something like what Paul's preaching in Galatians. That you've been redeemed from the curse of sickness. And don't have to stay that way. Something he heard caused him to quit wondering and wavering and believe he could be healed right now here today. And while he's hearing that, this is coming up in his heart, and he's still sitting there crippled, but Paul saw it on his face. Paul perceived it in the crowd. He said, that man's got faith. That man's got faith. Right. And then he looked at him, he said, hey, hey, you, you. God said, me? He said, yeah, you. You believe this, don't you? <laughs> you believe you've been redeemed from sickness and deformity. You believe you can be healed right now, don't you? He said, yeah, yeah. He said, well, get up, get up, jump up right now in the name of Jesus. And you know, some Bibles up at the top, they'll have little italics captions. Some of them say, Paul healeth the cripple. That is not true. What caused that man to be healed? This man had faith to be healed. He acted on that faith and the power of God made his body whole. How did he get it? By hearing what? The gospel. Can you see again the gospel, the gospel that Paul preached has not been preached around the world. What's the good news? The good news is, if you're broke, Jesus can fix it. He can make you rich. If you're sick, you can be healed. If you're bound up in sin, you can be cleaned up and delivered and made whole and righteous. Broken, you can be made whole. Remember what Jesus said? One of his favorite texts 
that he would take from Isaiah the spirit of the Lord's on me. Because he's anointed me to what? He sent me, what? Huh? Woo, he sent me to preach the good news. Right? To the poor. What's good news to the poor? Ain't got to be poor no more. Right? What else would be good news to a poor man? Why say poor? Unless it's going to be something relative to poor. And the only good news about poor is getting out of poor, right? We're getting out of it. Recovery of sight to the blind. Set at liberty them that are bruised. Right? He's opened the door of the captives. Preach the acceptable day and year of the Lord. That's good news. I said, that's good news. The good news hasn't changed. People have changed it. They've written their versions of it. But I like this one. I like this version right here. This is the one. See, it had already started in Paul's day. Remember him talking to the saints at Galatia. He said, if anybody comes and preaches any other gospel to you. Right? It had already started then. He said, if anybody comes and preaches any other gospel to you than what I gave you, let them be accursed. Whew. That's strong. But nobody has a right to water down and twist and change what Jesus preached and what Paul preached. Right? What's in the Bible called the gospel. Used to, you could hear the gospel and get faith to be healed. (laughs) If you preach the same gospel, you will still get faith to be healed. Glory to God. Well, go to Galatians. Just thought we should settle that before we went on. (laughs) Glory to God. Let me back up in Galatians 1. Galatians 1. See, all this wasn't written in chapter and verse. This is a letter from God through Paul to us. Verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ, and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you. Peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. According to the will of God and our Father. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now is that good news? It's all good news. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto a what? Another gospel, which is not another. How many know there is only one? There is only one gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one. And there's not 50 different versions. There's just the one true gospel and everything else. He said, it's not another, but there be some that trouble you and would what? Pervert Pervert the gospel of Christ. 
Well, of course the enemy wants to pervert the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. When the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ shines under the heart and life and mind of somebody, all the demons in hell can't hold them down. Keep them from getting saved or keep them from getting healed. So the only thing the enemy can do is to keep people in the dark. And if the gospel is being preached and he can't just stop it from being preached at all, then what's he going to try to do? Pervert it. Pervert it means twist it. Distort it. Change it. Alter it. Right? And of course, that's not God doing any of that. And boy, I mean, he, the Spirit of God speaks strong through him about this. He said, there's not another gospel. There's some that would trouble you. They're perverting the gospel of Christ. Verse 8. But though we, now get this. Who is we? Hmm? He said, me. And those that were with me. Though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel to you than what you've received, let him be accursed. Now, he's saying that he can't come back himself. Right? Oh, do you see this? I don't know if you know how significant this is. Their denominations in this country and in the world, very, very well known, they change their doctrine every couple of years. They have their councils, right? And they decide this or that, and they change the rules. Can't be God. Right? Paul said, I don't care if I myself show up. Next week or next month or next year. And say I got some revelation that changes that first gospel. That I, He said don't you hear it. He said I don't care if you see an angel come down out of heaven. 20 foot tall and wings from wall to wall. White and glistening. If he tells you a different gospel than what I preach to you. Don't you hear it. Don't you receive it. Let him be accursed. Now this is strong. Right. Why? Because if the gospel that came, you know, of course, through Jesus and through Paul, if it really came from God, he does not need to change it or update it. He's perfect when he gave it. Right? If it's from God, it's not going to need updates. Well, yeah, but you know, it's been so many years, Brother Keith, we have to change it for this modern generation. Watch out. What you going to change? Well, you know, the blood is just kind of, that's offensive to some people. All this talk about blood, it's gory, Brother Keith. And you know, some people don't believe in literal physical healing. Well, we can't change this. Right? You either believe it or you don't. People would be better off just saying, I don't believe it, because what did Revelation talk about people adding to and taking from? said plagues would be added to you, right? And teaching men so. No, Lord, help us to preach it just exactly, 
just exactly. Say it out loud. Lord, help us. To teach it. To preach it. To tell it. To believe it. Exactly. Like it was delivered to us. Long ago. Hallelujah. God's perfect. It was perfect when he gave it. So it doesn't need modification for 2005 and the new world order or the new age this or that. No, no, no. Keep reading. Verse 10, he said, do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. How many know you can't serve two masters? You get into trying to please people, you become a politician. Hmm? Everything's by popularity. And uh, leaders have to make tough decisions. You know? I know a friend of mine, I've done things like this, but I'll talk about somebody else. (laughs) A friend of mine, good church, strong church, good people. And the Lord led him to teach on a series, and he taught on a series, and one of his head guys. I mean, this is a guy that was with him from the beginning of this thing, and one of the wealthiest men in his church, and the biggest giver. His family was the biggest giver in the church. Did not like it. And after two or three sessions of it, he came to him and told him that he didn't agree with it. And he didn't believe it. And if he, you know, continued that way, then he was going to leave and he's going to pull his family. And there was about, his family consisted of about five families. And they were without a question, by far, the biggest givers, very wealthy. And he said he prayed about it and he took it to the Lord. Checked his heart. I mean, we can miss it, you know. But he checked his heart. Lord, am I doing what you told me to do? And he got it settled. So he told him, he said, I'm sorry, but you know, you can't tell me what to preach. And what's he talking about here? If you begin to please men, what are you not doing? You're not pleasing God. You're not trying to serve him. You're trying to make people happy. Right? The guy said, well, I'm gone. Got up and left. And he said, he's sitting there looking out the window. And he said, Lord, the biggest giver in my church just left. He said, the Lord said, no, I'm still here. (laughs) He said it wasn't but just a couple of months. He had four men come in the church new that were stronger than this guy. (laughs) If you begin to try to plead, now see, this is not just for preachers. This is for everybody. Right? You start trying to please a man instead of God, you're off. Right? That's what he said. He said, if I start trying to please men, he said, I'm no longer the servant of the Lord. Verse 11. But I certify you, brethren. That's a strong word, isn't it? Certified. Holy Ghost certified. That the gospel which I preached of me is not after man. I didn't receive it of man. I wasn't taught it. It came by revelation of Jesus Christ. He said, I got it straight from him. I didn't think it up. I wasn't taught it. I didn't figure it out. And I can't change it. And if anybody does, do not receive it. Now this is the first chapter of what? 
Where's our text? Just a few verses later, right? So what is the introduction? What is the emphasis? Verse after verse after verse here. Gospel. 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 And a few verses later we're talking about redeem. Redeem from the curse of the law. Blessed. Why? This is the gospel. This is the gospel. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Glory to God. Well, now you're ready to finish Galatians 3. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I haven't got to point one yet, but uh, that's okay. That was the point one that we should have done, that I just found out about just now. Galatians 3, are you there? (laughs) Verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Received you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? What's the answer to that? How did they receive the spirit? He gives us two things, right? What's one of them? We could just say works. Or what? Hearing of faith, you could just say faith, right? The law is the works are involved in the law. Faith comes by hearing. But it's faith or works. How do you get filled with the Spirit? Faith or works. Now, I wished I had known that years ago. It would have saved me countless hours of tarrying. (laughs) Anybody know what tarrying is? I grew up in Pentecostal circles. Thank God for them. Don't misunderstand me. Got so much. But in our circles, we were not taught to receive the Holy Spirit. We were taught to tarry. And, you know, I'm not knocking anybody. All you know is what you know. Right? And uh, I'm telling you, you know, some of the things that happened in the Pentecostal church with me. My grandmother was the secretary and treasurer for the uh, church in our community for 50 years. My great-granddad gave the land for the church to be built on. She taught generations of people. And we believed in being filled with the Spirit and healing. Thank God. But we believed in tarrying. And, uh, you know, Luke 24. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. And that is scriptural. But he was talking to them because the day of Pentecost had not yet come. And they were not waiting just on the Holy Ghost. They were waiting on a day. They were waiting on the fulfillment of prophecy. And on that day, remember Acts 2? Hmm? They were there in the upper room. And when what? When they had waited enough to satisfy God? No. When they got their life right? No. What? When the day of Pentecost was fully come. 
there came a sound from heaven, like a rushing mighty wind, filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire, and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. But now listen, the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost, and has never left. He's still here. And so when people talk about, well, I'm waiting to be filled with the Holy Ghost, you're not waiting on him. He has come. They had to wait on him. He had not yet come. Now, I didn't know all this then. Thank God. I found out. But we tarried. And we tarried. And we tarried. And at different times, somebody got filled, you know, almost by accident, it seemed. Nobody knew why or how, but praise God, it worked. And so over the years, people tried to remember what happened. Well, I was right there on that side of the altar. And I was crying, and it was right after midnight. And you know, more people get filled after midnight than any other time. And I had to get some things right in my life. And so they told me that I tarried. Oh, brother, I mean, I'd come up and tarry. I'd start, you know, 9 o'clock or something. I'd be tarrying sometimes 1 and 2 in the morning. Now, one of the pastors that was my pastor at that time, thank God for him. Now, a lot of charismatics, they'll pray with you till about 15 minutes. And then they get concerned, you know, maybe that the restaurant's going to close. <laughs> and they just slap you on the back. Oh, brother, just believe, you know, we'll be standing with you. And they gone. Even though we didn't know some things, I tell you, you got to respect the tenacity and the persistence because this brother stayed with me, man. We tarried and tarried. Finally, it's like midnight. And he said, brother, you know, I'm thinking about going home. I said, go on, go on, go home. He was gone about 30 minutes. He came back. He said, I just couldn't stand it thinking you down here tarried. I had to come help you. (laughs) Got to respect that. Even though we were lacking some knowledge. We're doing what we need to do, right? Got to respect that. And I do, and I still appreciate that to this day. But we tarry, and we tarry, and we tarry. And they told me, well, you know, if you'd shave that mustache off. Because I had a beard back then. They said, well, if you shave that beard off, you know, you'd probably get the Holy Ghost. Y'all are laughing, but a lot of y'all have been some of the same things. Now, why am I saying that? How do you receive the Spirit? By what? Not by what? Well, what is shaving your mustache off? What is that? (laughs) That's trying to find the combination. If I do this and if I stop. And people say, well, you know, if you'd stop doing that. Well, if you'd throw that TV out of your house. Well, if you'd wear long sleeves. Well, if you, you know, your wife wears pants and makeup. And if she'd quit that, maybe you'd get filled. Well, man, I was hungry. We did it all. I thought, hey, I'm not going to let a little facial hair hold me out of the Holy Ghost. I mean, I saved her off, buddy. Right? 
And you should. I mean, you should, it shouldn't be anything that you would cling to thinking it would prevent you from receiving. So, man, I, you know, whatever they thought. And then they said, well, if you'll fast. So I fasted. Well, pray on this side of the altar. <laughs> so I did. Pray longer. So I did. Say Jesus. So I did. Say it faster. So I did. On and on and on. What is all this? This works. Trying to find the right combination. Pull this lever. Push this button. Flip the switch. This is reaching in the dark. Isn't it? How do you receive the Spirit? By faith. How does faith come? Not by praying. Not by begging. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word. Finally, thank God, one day I found that out and I learned how to receive and in my little 1969 Marriott mobile home in uh, Mississippi I stood up in our little uh, living room in there and started talking in tongues and when I first did I stopped and I thought no (laughs) no no, that's too easy I mean no that can't be right because see when sister Dodie got filled, she rolled under the front pew and saw a bright light. And when Brother Bob got filled, you know, he sang a song for two hours. Well, people may have different experiences, but what did the Scripture, what did the Bible say? They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Somebody said, well, that's not for everybody. It is for everybody. For every believer. Yeah. Yeah. But you must receive by faith and you've got to learn how to yield. And if you're not sure about that, hang around here. Right? Thank God for being able to speak in other tongues. Now, uh, he said, verse 3. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Having suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain. He that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Which one? How do you get your healing? How do you get your miracle? Do you see people get in some of the same stuff, don't they? Well, i got to try to remember every sin I ever committed. And I got to try to make it right. And I got to go back and find everybody. And, and I got to do this. And I got to confess that scripture 45 times, you know, every three hours. Maybe 45 is not enough. I got to do it 75 times. And people are looking for the magic formula, and it's all works. Right? Do you get your miracle by intense effort and by works? No, you don't. No, you don't. How do you get it? By faith. How does faith come? And by hearing, according to this, by hearing the gospel. That man got faith to be healed from hearing the gospel. We've already gotten testimonies of people healed who were joined us by internet and were in the crowd when we talked about being redeemed from the curse of sickness. Already healed from some serious things. How'd they get healed? From what they heard, what they hear. They heard the gospel, right? 
that according to Deuteronomy 28, so-and-so, that's part of the curse of the law. And according to Galatians 3.13, they've been redeemed from the curse. That's good news. That's good news. That's good news. And they believed it, and they received it, and they're healed. Thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God. Who? The gospel, the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Keep reading. He said, even as Abraham believed God. See, that's where we started, wasn't it? And doesn't this mean more to you now? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him. Now get this, get this. It was accounted to him for righteousness. How did he get righteousness imputed to him? Through the works of the law. The law hadn't even been given yet. He couldn't be keeping the law. The Ten Commandments hadn't come. He couldn't be righteous by doing something and by keeping the rules. They hadn't come. How did he become righteous in the eyes of God? Was he imputed and counted righteous? By the works of the law? Or by the hearing of faith. Oh, it's by faith. Can you see where we're going with this? What we're building up to is how do you qualify to be redeemed from all the curse of the law? How do you qualify for the full blessing of Abraham on your life? How? How? By the works, by the works of the law. No, it's by faith. It's by the hearing of faith. You can't earn it. You can't merit it. You can't work enough to get it. You just receive it. By faith. And it's yours. Now keep reading. Verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. In other words, we get made righteous just like he did. Right? How? We are the children of? We are of faith. The same are the children of Abraham. How did he get accounted righteous? By believing. By faith. How do we get accounted righteous? Same way. Same way. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Faith. Faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying, in you shall all nations be blessed. Gospel, blessed, gospel, blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Hallelujah. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it's written, cursed is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by good deeds. No. By faith. And the law is not of faith. But the man that doeth them shall live in them. I've had this question asked me, I don't mean once, I don't know how many times, especially when I was in healing school for so many years. People had come and said, now, Brother Keith, I hear what all you're saying about he took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses and carried our pains and by his stripes were healed and with a long life he'll satisfy us. I know all them scriptures, 
But you know, my grandma was one of the finest women you would ever meet on this earth. Loved God with all her heart. I mean, there never was a time the church door was open that she wasn't there. Never missed a service. Worked. Visited the sick. Cooked meals for people. Made Afghans and blankets. Prayed night and day. But bless her heart, Brother Keith, she was sick. She was sick half her life. Now why? And they looked at me startled when I said, well, I take your word for it. Thank God for her being a godly woman. But what does all that have to do with her getting healed? They'd look at you in shock sometimes like, well, certainly her being such a good woman, God should have healed her. Absolutely not. That's implying she deserves to be healed because of her works. Are you with me now? Absolutely. Do you see how people get off? I've seen people that were miffed at God, aggravated at God. I've given God the best years of my life. I served Him with all my heart. And why won't He heal me? What's going on there? They feel like God owes it to me because of my service. Hmm? God does not owe you and I something because of what we've done. The best we could ever do was not enough. That's why Jesus had to come. Right? If you and I could earn our merit of forgiveness or a blessing or a healing or anything, then Jesus would not have had to come for us. But nobody, nobody on the planet has ever been or ever will be able to be good enough and do good enough things long enough to earn and merit a salvation and a healing and a blessing. No, no. So we couldn't. So Jesus came and took the entire curse upon himself. Oh, hallelujah. And paid the price so we could have the whole blessing. Now, if you don't believe you are righteous, then you will not be able to believe you're free from the curse. If you don't believe you're made righteous, then you won't be able to believe that you're blessed and should be blessed. Because your own memory, your own experiences, the enemy will, you know, bombard you night and day with thoughts and feelings about how undeserving and unworthy and unfit you are because of your failures and your mistakes. And you will not be bold that you're redeemed from the curse of the law. And you'll not be bold that you're blessed and should be blessed. I mean, when you get a revelation of this and who you are in Christ, you won't take the curse laying down. Destruction begin to happen in your life. You'll jump up on both feet and you'll say, oh, no, 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 not in my life you don't. 
No, sir, no, ma'am. I'm not supposed to be cursed. But see, how many talk like that worldwide in Christian circles? Oh, man, they they think something's wrong with us because we do. Who do you think you are? Well, see, it's obvious that they don't know who they are. To be asking such a question. Now, how much more time you got? You got (laughs) till midnight, huh? Go with me to Genesis 18, please. Look at something. That's a revelation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't back up before that, can I? I mean, that's as far as you can back up. That'll be good for now. Genesis 18. And if we cover everything between there and Galatians, I think we'll be doing good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Genesis 18. Here is a revelation that we should remind ourselves of. Genesis 18 is when the angel of the Lord, the Lord speaking and ministering through him, and angels came by Abram's tent, and he ran to meet them and was hospitable and invited them in. And refreshed them and fed them and entertained them. And the New Testament tells us to be watchful to entertain strangers. Because by in doing that, some have entertained angels. Unawares, without knowing it. And that's what happened this day. He was just being hospitable. And godly people are hospitable. And how many believe that Faith Life Church family excels In hospitality, God has blessed us, but we're going to come up, aren't we? You going to believe with me? Now, it won't happen just by accident. We'll have to be willing to inconvenience ourselves and do things and spend money, right? And But uh, we are to excel in this. And we will. We do and we will. But here he invited them in. And, uh, you know, he told them, the angel told him that uh, Sarah was going to conceive. And wonderful news. And then after all that, he walked with them towards Sodom. Verse 16. And Abraham got up and went out with them. How many understand that's not just southern, that's godly. Hmm? You don't just sit in your chair and your company says, well, we're going to go. You go, yeah, it's about time. Go. No, you get up out of your chair and you walk with them to the door, right? And then you go and walk with them out to the yard, right? Stand by the car door. Is that right? And then wave when they look back. Y'all come back now. You hear? Huh? That's what Abraham did. It's ain't a southern thing. It's a God thing. Now, you may think I'm carrying on. I'm not. What if he hadn't walked with them? This opportunity to intercede, would it have come up? 
I don't know of any reason why you'd assume that it would. See, for those that are willing to go further, stay hooked longer, fellowship closer, going to see things, know things, be a part of things that other people are not. Some of the greatest services I've ever been in, we could have stopped, but I just felt like there was a little something else, and we kept going and kept going, and some of the greatest things came out, and we could have missed it. Or in services with other people, or prayer time, I just felt like pray a little bit further, read a little bit longer, and it was in those next 30 minutes that something wonderful happened. And that's what he did. He got up and went with them. He's going to go with them towards where? Well, how far he's going to walk, I don't know, but he's just walking with them. <laughs> They're going on their journey, and he's walking with them and helping them on their way. And verse 17, the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? And he tells him about the judgment that's going to come on Sodom and Gomorrah. Now let's just stop right here. Why did he tell him that? So he could intercede. God didn't want to see the place destroyed. I mean, if he'd want it destroyed, he wouldn't have had to say a word. He's given him an opportunity. Someone said, well, he's God. He's just going to do what he wants to. Oh, no, no, no. The Bible said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. God works with us. He gives us opportunity to ask him and to intercede, and he will hear us and do. Things can be changed when you pray. Right? Well, he told him what was going to happen. And look at verse 23. Abraham did what? He drew near. What happens when you draw nigh to God? He's walking with him. He's already been, you know, so hospitable and kind today. And he just keeps walking and he gets a little closer to the Lord. <laughs> and he said, Lord, you wouldn't destroy the righteous with the wicked, would you? Everybody say righteous. righteous. Wicked. Now, who should get the destruction? The righteous? Do y'all see this now? What should the righteous get? The blessing. Should the righteous get the curse? Let's back up again. What is a curse? Doomed, damned to destruction. Right? What's he talking about about Sodom and Gomorrah? Doom. Destruction. Right? So he's not talking about the blessing. He's talking about the curse. Who should get the curse? The wicked. wicked, Not the righteous. The righteous should not be cursed. Say it out loud. Say it again. Say it again. The righteous should not be cursed. Say it again. The righteous should not be cursed. They should not be cursed. The righteous are not supposed to be cursed. You couldn't say that too much tonight. You ought to say it again and again. All night tonight. The righteous should not be cursed. And this is the basis. This is before the law. Just relationship between God and this man. He draws near. And this is what he stands on. 
to plead his case. Keep reading. He said, peradventure, we'd say today, what if there's 50 righteous, 50 what? Oh, are you hearing with all your heart now? This, man, this is going to go off in you just a minute here. If there's 50 what? Righteous within the city. Not 50 Presbyterians. Not 50 Charismatics. Not 50 Faith Life members. What? 50 what? Righteous. 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 Within the city. Will you also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? Now look, he waxes bold. He's right up by the Lord's face. He said, that be far from you. Who's he talking to? (laughs) He said, that be far from you to do after this manner. To slay the righteous with the wicked and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Was Abraham a righteous man? How many remember Proverbs, the righteous are as bold? (laughs) This is not pushy and arrogant. This is not haughty and proud. Very different things. Some people have confused bold and pushy. Oh, no, 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 no. What makes you bold? You're bold because you know. You're bold because you're sure. We just got through reading that righteousness was imputed to Abraham. Why? Because he believed God. He was convinced that he was right in the eyes of God. So he had no embarrassment or intimidation. He saddled right up there beside the Lord. He got right up there beside him. Is that what happened? Condemnation. Causes you to fear and draw back. Oh, no, no, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Oh, no, 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 no. Righteousness causes you to be bold and step right on up. Draw near. To who? Oh, come on now. To who? Didn't the Bible tell us to come boldly? Boldly up to the throne of grace? And get your help, get your mercy, get your grace in the time of need. Come right on up. Come right on up and get it. Oh, Lord, help us get a hold of this now. Come right on up and get it. Why? Because the righteous have a right to do it. The righteous have a right to come right up to God and talk to him. The righteous have a right to come right up and take a healing. And claim their money to pay all their bills. Step right up. Step right on up. And get all the wisdom they need for all day. Yeah, I'll take it. Thank you, please. Yes, I received mine now. Thank you. But can you hear what so much of the church world, when they hear us say something like, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Oh, 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 you ain't righteous. You're a sinner. 
You're just an old sinner. Saved by grace. Have failed and sinned and come short of the glory of God. How dare you say, how many, how many millions of Christians believe that? Why? Because they've not been hearing the gospel. They've been hearing tradition. They've been hearing religion. They've been hearing condemnation. And they will live in the curse. Because they believe they deserve it. Right? If you're an old sinner, you deserve to be cursed. You deserve to have bad stuff happen in your life. Why? Because you're a miserable old sinner. Best you can do is bump along and hope you make it to the end. And one of these days in the sweet by and by, you'll get free. But no, no, no. Right here and right now, we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Right now, right now. Not because of what we've done, not because of who we are, because of what He has already done. And we received it by faith. We just believe, just like Abraham, we believe God. (laughs) And righteousness is imputed to us. Oh, but when it gets real to you, that you really are. The righteousness of God in Him, you'll quit cowering. You'll no longer be timid because God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And you'll step right up to God and go, Lord, ah, now the righteous shouldn't have this, right? <laughs> Listen to the language. Now, God, I know you're going to do right about this. That's brassy. And it is recorded for all time and eternity as an example to us. We're told that we are now the children of this man by our faith. Our children take after their father. (laughs) Somebody's getting something tonight. He said, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? What if there's 50 righteous within the city? Now, see, he had a revelation of what? Righteous people should not be destroyed. Say it out loud three more times. Righteous people should not be destroyed. Say it again. Righteous people. Should not be, shouldn't be destroyed. Well, who are you? What are you? Should the curse be working in your life? Should you be experiencing failures and losses and disease and lack? No. You're not supposed to have that. You've been redeemed from that. Why? You're the righteous. The righteous are to be blessed. The righteous should be blessed, not cursed. Amen. 
He said, if there's 50 righteous in the city, will you not spare it for the 50 righteous? What about our nation today? Has God changed? What did the Lord answer? He said, it's not like you. He said, that be far from you to slay the righteous with the wicked, to let the righteous have the curse of the wicked. He said, that's not like you. He said, that's not you. He said, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? (laughs) Now see, if God is like some people preach that he is, Abraham would be a greasy spot. (laughs) Wouldn't he? If he's the way some preachers preach him to be, oh, he'd be a greasy spot on the sidewalk. How dare you approach the Almighty. No, why did God bring it up? Because he knew what his covenant man was going to do. He knew what he was going to do. He wanted him to ask him to spare the place. He wanted him to do it. And what did he say? What did he say? Oh, he said in verse 26, if I find in Sodom. Now, Sodom was worse than any city we know about today. If I find 50 righteous in the city, I will spare all the place for their sakes. Now, here, we're not just talking about the righteous not getting cursed. We're talking about whole cities being spared that should have been cursed for a handful of righteous sake. Oh, my, 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 my. When the people of God find out who they are and what they are, that they are the righteousness of God in Christ. Look out, devil. His works are going to be curtailed right. That's beginning already. But you won't get it by singing, woe is me. And I'm an old sinner, and I'm this, and I'm so miserable, and I've failed so many ways. No, you're either clean or you're not. You're either forgiven or you're not. Right? And if you are forgiven and you are cleansed, you have been made righteous, and you ought not be cursed. You ought not be punished. You ought not be destroyed. It ain't right for you to be cursed. (laughs) The righteous should be blessed. Listen to this in closing. You don't have to turn there. But in Psalm 5.12, he says, Lord, you will bless the righteous. With favor, you'll compass him as with a shield. Talked about the righteous in Psalm 24. Said he will receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. That's us. Stand on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.